That's so key, key, Dana. That's so key. For anyone that's watching this, it's struggling financially. So things are hard, but how can I contribute? Because this is what we do. This is what I've done in the past when I've struggled financially. Because boy, have I been that light worker, you know, Mm. energy healer, single mother, paying the rent, bringing boarders into my home so that I could help pay the rent, working at jobs I didn't like so I could pay the work, trying to carve out a business as as an energy healer. And struggling financially, going to the supermarket and having to put food back because I didn't have the money, you know, not even have enough money to catch a bus. I have been there. My God, (laughs) have I been there. But when you are in that stressful situation of how am I going to pay the bills, when things are hard, how can I contribute? Because we think that when things are hard, we have to hold back rather than give more. (laughs) And it's actually... The energy, the energy of giving that creates the flow of abundance back. And that is so key. When things are hard, how can I contribute? So when you haven't got any money, how can I go out and volunteer? This is what people don't understand. I don't want to spend time volunteering. I've got to go out there and find a job that people are paying me. That, that's what I hear a lot, right? People need to pay me. I've got to stop doing stuff for free. But they don't understand that it's energy exchange. It's energy exchange. And it's when they're doing everything for free that there's a problem. So, you know, it's like as a business coach, I do a free session. I take people through a process to see how they could start making some more money. You were asking about how to block that, you know, the the free to fee thing becomes challenging. and, And I don't think I really spoke to that, but I think it becomes around setting boundaries and deciding how much you are willing to give away for free and then really informing people. So I have people come to me all the time. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? I offered this special session about money and influence and light workers. <laughs> and you so i have offered this for free i do have a donate button underneath if you have received value from this session that we had on money and influence and you and light workers or difference makers and change makers so if you did receive any value today please exchange the value with me by using the paypal button on the youtube or on my website you can donate to the show on the website or you can use that paypal button underneath i'd really appreciate that exchange because i'm offering this as an exchange and remember we have to see money as just an energy exchange you know what i give i receive and what i receive i give so hello and welcome to another show accentuating the positive with karen swain so wonderful to be back with you again this week the topic has been money and light workers and if you look at the other youtube i just uploaded we had a, a great two-hour forum all about money blocks and light workers and how light workers feel like they're i don't know they can't they, they struggle with the money so i'd love to introduce you to this amazing woman 
She is a holistic business coach, a heart-centered business coach, because she's a light worker like all of us. She's, you know, tuned in, tapped in, turned on. And I think like many, many of us struggled with that piece of how do I do what I love and be paid abundantly and, and so, so I can have an abundant life. Welcome to the show, Jana. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me uh, join you. I should just say your last name, Jana Beeman. Beeman? Jana yeah. Beeman. And uh, I met, you know, I met Jana. I've been uh, a part of the EBC, the uh, Evolutionary Business Council, and it's full of amazing people. And I keep meeting these amazing people. So I had a chat to Jana a couple of weeks ago, and we were speaking about your journey and also how she overcame a lot of those money blocks that we were talking about being a holistic practitioner or a, a healer or a light worker or a difference maker or a change maker. So let's get into your story. What were you doing? How did you get into being a light worker? What were you doing before? Hmm. Well, I think I've been a light worker since I was probably about 16, yeah. but wasn't really doing anything with it on a professional level at all. Okay. Uh, I do a lot of animal healing and I've done that as long as I can remember. But, um, you know, I had pursued a performance career and then back in 2008, I moved from California up to Washington State. Within a couple of months, I got injured. And so while I was going through the physical therapy to get back on my feet, I went to a holistic nutrition school and got my holistic nutrition certification. And as I came out of that, thinking that I was going to be a wellness coach, I really got drawn into helping other wellness coaches because I've been in business since I was 12. I've always had a business and I've done exceptionally well with them. And so I got drawn to working with the other heart centered people that were having trouble making the same shift that I did as I was coming out of wellness school. And so I had invested in really studying how business worked for coaches and healers and you know, we're different than the rest of the businesses that are out there and what works for a brick and mortar business or even a, a different type of consulting or virtual business does not work for us. And I was mystified at what I was doing wrong. So I spent a lot of time diving into it. And so my path just kind of unrolled in front of me that my, my wellness coaching actually ended up curing my 40 years of chronic migraine pain and helped me get back on my feet while I was going through my physical therapy. And then it gave me a lot of connections to be able to move forward and help other coaches get going. And so now I'm a master coach trainer and I work with an international wellness coaching school as well. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because I've been looking into this for ages. You know, when I was in my 20s, I did a naturopathy course. And I remember the, and that was a long time ago, it was like over 30 years ago. Uh, the statistics back then, you know, naturopathy wasn't as uh, mainstream then as it is now. And the statistics back then is of the hundreds of people that will graduate each year, you know, less than 2% or 1% will actually make a business from it, will actually go in and, and be a business person and make a business being. Right. Because unlike being a doctor, there is like this huge system that supports doctoring. But in those days, the alternative medicine or healers, they, they don't have that same support. And so I've been looking into this, how do we, you know, support ourselves and how do we, and a lot of people, unlike you, 
say, well, you have to get practical and you have to do it like business people do it. And you just said something really key. It's not the same. It really is not the same. You, you can't be exactly like a brick and mortar business or a, another yeah. business. Just not, and so we don't, like the allopathic industry, we don't have the support system that has, um, you know, insurance companies and right. doctors on it. It's just not the same. It's not the same. And so we've had to reinvent ways in which we can put ourselves out there and be inside a system like we discussed on the line on the call yesterday or the day before, it is a corrupt system, <laughs> but you know, can we participate in the system and not be a part of the corruption, but a part of um, participating in the system? Because the other alternative is to not participate in the system, and that's when you join a community where you live in moneyless communities or societies where you're just you're doing exchange. You know, I'll heal you, I'll give you a reading, and you give me some food, or you come and clean my house, or whatever. You know, so I mean, that's a great system too, but it's not the dominant system that we're participating in. Right. So, what do you see is different between energy workers, light workers, putting their business out there, and a brick and mortar business, as you say? Well, so one of the things is that brick and mortar businesses, they spend a lot of money on advertising yeah. and they compete on price. And if we compete on price, nobody makes any money <laughs> because we don't have those hard costs built into what we do. So we don't have a bottom point. We keep discounting and discounting until we're making nothing or we're paying people to work with us. So <laughs> there's no value in that. <laughs> and because we really need to allow our clients to invest in the transformation we provide so that they are invested in it, both financially and emotionally. And so we have to charge. We have to. And the thing that I've really discovered over the years is that those of us who are the highly sensitives, the introverts, the healers, the coaches, the visionaries, the world changers, we have a superpower. And we can use this superpower to build our business. And that superpower is our ability to connect and communicate and collaborate and co-create. Mm -hmm. And most of those brick and mortar businesses, they compete. They're, they're head to head. They don't think about playing in the same pool. They say, I'm going to build a bigger pool. I'm going to build my own pool and I'm going to make a cooler pool. And so they end up blowing themselves out of the water because they're just competing. It's, it's the, the little boys on the sports field kind of mentality. Yeah. And the thing is, is that we have the ability to really do something different and we can magnetize our clients in instead of going out and roping them with a price offer. Exactly. Exactly. Ooh, I love this. You know, when I went on radio, my desire to teach deliberate creation, which is what I call myself, I don't know, it kind of gets a bit blurry because I talk about so many other things besides deliberate creation. But my desire to teach people about their, uh, their power to flow their energy, their power to be deliberate and how they think and feel and um, was so strong that I put myself out there on radio because I wanted people to know about it. Much like Rhonda Byrne who discovered the secret, she discovered that same power and she's like, why don't people know about that? And that desire propelled her into making the secret Many people have vilified it and many people have praised it. It doesn't really matter. She was putting um, an education out there for people to tap into. And I just think that's a good thing. 
But then I started putting a lot of healers on my show that did exactly what I do. So it seemed counterintuitive to promote someone's business that is in direct competition with my own. It seemed like that at the time. And I often scratched my head and I thought, you know, what am I doing? I'm spending all this time promoting other people's businesses and no one's promoting mine. I'm not even promoting mine because I got so wrapped up in the conversation with people and their journey and their story and what they did. But it kind of hurt for a while to do that, but I couldn't stop doing it. It was a really strange thing, but this is exactly what you're talking about. It's about collaboration. And as years have gone by, the pleasure I get from promoting people is so much more enjoyable than, um, you know, I get from promoting myself, I've got to say. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even call it promoting, just sharing people's stories, you know, sharing your story, sharing who you are, what you do. It's just so pleasurable for me. It's a, Mm-hmm. And so that in itself is such a reward. Reward, And uh, yeah, so it, it is about collaboration and not competition. And because um, what brick and mortar business would have a radio show and promote the competition? <laughs> <laughs> they would never think about it because to them, it, it's going to put them out of business. But one of the things that I've discovered, and and I got this, way of phrasing it from Teresa, who you talked to a few days ago, Um, you cannot make yourself famous, but others can do it for you. Right. So when you're positioning others and they're positioning you, everybody looks like a rock star. And I love that, that we can really, you know, and and there's that piece of it, like, you know, I'm a business coach, but I go to other business coaching events and I sponsor. And people are like, why would you sponsor it when, when there's already a bigger name coach on the stage? Because not everyone is going to resonate with her. Not everyone can afford a thirty dollars or $40,000 program. Some people still want one-to-one coaching, you know, and she doesn't do that anymore. So why would I not be here? Because the clients who are right for her, I'm going to support them 100% in engaging with her. And the clients that are right for me are going to be drawn to me. And it has always worked out well for me. So, you know, I I think we all win that way, right? That's so key. That's so key, Janet. That's so key because, uh, you know, a lot of people think I can't do what I love because so many other people are doing. There's too much competition out there. Like if you want to be a singer or an artist or a healer or whatever, because now, you know, there's a healer on every corner just like they used to be doctors on every corner which I love you know a Reiki practitioner a masseuse or some sort of energy healer but you're absolutely right there is an audience or there is clients there are people that have almost had a spiritual contract with you to come to you for what it is that you're offering and even though you're singing a song you're singing a different song to the other person who's singing a song you know it's it's all music but you're doing it in a way that people are attracted to you. It's, it's exactly mm-hmm. right. And that's, I think as healers, we have to, or as light workers, we have to know that if we're going to make this a business mm-hmm. or we're going to allow our passion to sustain us uh, in this 3D system that we are currently participating in called right. and money. Yes. And one of the things that I like about that is it builds in a referral system for you. So if I have a client come to me 
and there's something about that client that I don't want to work with or they have an area that they need expertise that is not in my wheelhouse, I have this great network of coaches. I know who can help them. Exactly. And it allows me to be more selective with my own clients that I work with one-to-one so that I'm working with the people that are my perfect energetic match. So my workday is more fun. I have great results with my clients and it allows me to really be in that spiritual space that I want to be in while I'm working all day long. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, some of the things that we spoke about on the call the other day with uh, energy workers and light workers, because, you know, this conversation has been said so much, you know, creatives or empaths or psychics or mediums or people that are very tapped in, tuned into their empathic or feeling emotional ability are not great at business or asking for money. And there's a thought form around, you know, if you're doing God's work, you have to do it free or, you know, you feel guilty for taking people's money because you should be servicing humanity. And if you're charging someone and somehow you're not servicing them, you're, you're not being kind to them. It was something that we spoke about right at the end of the two hour conversation because Sasha, who was on the line, was listening to everything we were nutting out and talking about and examining. And I said, have you got anything to say? And she said, no, not really, but I, there's my fantasy world and then there's the real world and I can't bring them together. Her fantasy world was everybody should offer their services for free and we should be exchanging things because it's so important. It's, such, it's so important. And then she went to see an angel reader, right? And the angel reader was charging money and she's thinking, it's so important to know who your angels are that it should be offered for free because it's so important. This is what was going on in her head. Mm -hmm. and, and that's that thought form again, that if we're doing something that's going to help people and it's important that it should be offered for free. What, what do you say to that? Well, so here's the thing that I get. And again, I got some of this from another coach, just the wording of it is to figure out what you do best, what you do as easily as breathing, and that's what you should actually charge the most for because it's your genius. And again, it gives you the ability to let others invest in the transformation that they have with you. It's like, you know, for me as a wellness coach, I offered my sister, she and two of my nieces get really bad migraines. So I offered to send them a solution so I bought all the supplements. I drafted out all the instructions. I normally do it one-on-one -on -one with people, but you know, she said, well, yeah, if we can do it on our own, that'd be great. And so I did all this for free. I spent over $500 putting this together and I shipped it to her. And long story short, they never opened the box. It's mm. still sitting in their front hallway and they're still complaining about migraines because I didn't allow them to invest in the transformation. So there's a key piece here. And the fact is, is that we're getting to a point in history where we have to very intentionally throw out the old programming and say, you know what, we deserve to be supported for what we do. You know, in old days, you know, the, the healer, the wise woman, the shaman of any tribe was supported by the tribe. Yeah. Now support comes differently. Exactly. And nobody's going to show up to pay our bills for us. So we owe it to ourselves to make sure we're being taken care of so that we can continue to take care of others. Because if we don't pay our bills, 
you know, we're going to be homeless and then we're going to be in survival mode. And then who are we serving? Oh, I've just, I've just uh, reworked a, a, an idea in my head. Um, you know, the shaman, the medicine woman was supported by the tribe and we're not, but you can think I am supported by my tribe yes. and my tribe are my clients. Yes. That's my tribe. Right. And they and support me as a light worker. My tribe supports me. Yes. such a delicious thought. I love that. Thank you. That's for all you light workers. My tribe are my clients, the people that they support me, the people I help. They're my tribe. Mm. I like that. That's working for me. <laughs> you know, remember the, the thing when you're on an airline, they say, hey, if we lose cabin pressure, first put on your own mask and then help the person next to you. So if we're not supporting ourselves, how do we expect our clients to support themselves when they work with us and we give them things to do? They're not going to do them. So we have to give them the opportunity to, to invest. Again, in the old days, the whole tribe would work together to feed and clothe and care for their wise women, their herbalist, you know, whoever it was. We don't have that. So we have that monetary exchange instead. And there's this thing in our head about the starving artist, the starving healer. If you're spiritual, you don't need money. Okay, so that, those ideas, they come from another time that is no longer appropriate. And it doesn't work for us because if we don't get paid, we don't have a place to live. We don't have a place to practice. We don't have a phone line or a computer to work from if we work virtually, you know, so fine. We could probably go hand to mouth on the street, but is that really what we want? Yeah. Well, a lot of people, as we discussed the other day, a lot of people hold a vision of a future where the exchange of energy is different to money and that, and we live in a fairer world. And you know, we, we hold that vision, like Swami was saying, he holds that vision. Sasha was saying she holds that vision. And a lot of people hold that vision. A lot of people are following the Ubuntu, um, you know, the Ubuntu movement, which Ubuntu is a word, it's an African word that says, without you, I can't be me. You know, it's like, I exist because of you. I am because of you. It's that, uh, it's a bit like the sort of namaste. It's that recognition of we are one. And so uh, Michael Tallinger started this movement where Ubuntu is about service exchange. And a, and a lot of people are, you know, buying into that and not using money to exchange energy but service. But that's not the current mass reality. It is a, it is a dream. So we can still keep uh, focused on the dream while participating in the current reality because... Um, mm -hmm. You know, I just want to say to people that Jana is an amazing woman. I'm just getting personal now because she's oh. soldiering on and helping people and all the light workers and coaching people. And you recently, your beloved husband, Mike, left his body because of illness. He was very sick for a long time. Mm -hmm. So not only were you servicing light workers and healers and holistic business coaches, you were servicing him, looking after him and yeah, and uh, you were just telling me before we came online that there have been big fires in the States mm -hmm. and that your hometown was burnt down. So you've been through your hell and high water this year, I tell you. It's been interesting. And, you know, for me, I keep coming back to, okay, so things are hard. So how else can I contribute? Right. I don't know why that is, but that's just kind of natural to me. So I've stepped up a lot of my animal charity work. 
Um, I've actually drawn up an estate plan for my estate to go to my animal charities so that I make sure that that happens when it's my time. And, you know, it, it gives me a, a deeper sense of purpose because that's one of my huge passions in life is anything with, you know, fur, feathers, <laughs> fins. That's so key, people. Dharma. That's so key. For anyone that's watching this, it's struggling financially. So things are hard, but how can I contribute? Because this is what we do. This is what I've done in the past when I've struggled financially because, boy, have I been that light worker you know, energy healer, single mother, paying the rent, bringing boarders into my home so that I could help pay the rent, working at jobs I didn't like so I could pay the work, trying to carve out a business as, a, as an energy healer and struggling financially, going to the supermarket and having to put food back because I didn't have the money, you know, not even have enough money to catch a bus. I have been there. My God, <laughs> have I been there. But when you are in that stressful situation of how am I going to pay the bills, when things are hard, how can I contribute? Because we think that when things are hard, we have to hold back rather right. than give more. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the energy, the energy of giving that creates the flow of abundance back. And that is so key. When things are hard, how can I contribute? So when you haven't got any money, how can I go out and volunteer? This is what people don't understand. I don't want to spend time volunteering. I've got to go out there and find a job that people are paying me. That, that's what I hear a lot, right? People need to pay me. I've got to stop doing stuff for free. But they don't understand that it's energy exchange. It's energy exchange. And it's when they're doing everything for free that there's a problem. So, you know, it, it's like as a business coach, I do a free session. I take people through a process to see how they could start making some more money. And they can take that and go off and try it on their own. Yeah. But I know that eventually they're probably going to need my help to do it well and make it actually work for them. So eventually they're going to come back to me and say, okay, so we talked about a few ways we could make this work. Let's talk about those again. And, you know, that, that's where it becomes collaborative because then we're working for, you know, together for a, for a huge result for that client. And, but you know, they could take it up and run with it on their own. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Cause you're trusting, you're trusting that you can offer for free and know that you'll be, you know, you have, you'll be supported mm -hmm. and that's working for you. Right. Yeah. And, and I think we've all been through times where we did everything for free Yeah, and we give it away and we give it away and we give it away and nothing comes back. Yeah. And that's because we're giving the wrong things away. And or so we're, we're blocking that we're blocking yeah. because, you know, giving, giving, that's what we discussed the other day too. You know, there are so many of us that give, 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 but we do block it and we block it because of the ideas we have around money that somehow money is dirty and that, right. you, and you're a good person. You're a light worker. You're doing God's work. You're, you're healing the world, but you've got some stuff on money being something that you don't want to handle. And so mm -hmm. you, and it blocks you and that's, that's the conversation we were having the other day. If you're giving it all away free and it's not coming back, it's your, it's your block to it. Yeah. Or the other piece is sometimes we give so much away that it's overwhelming. So the person receiving it doesn't know what to do with all of that because now they're going to try to run off and do it on their own. Right. And they don't have their accountability partner and their step-by-step, -step, which is how we succeed. Right. So when, when we bury them in it, you know, I always tell people, give them a glass of milk, not the entire cow. 
because they can take a glass okay. of milk and do something with it, right? Yeah. They have a small manageable amount. They can take a step. They can move forward. They can make a change. But if you give them too much, which I used to do is, you know, in my migraine practice when I was trying to get clients in the beginning, I made every mistake that everybody else does. I had three hour long conversations that were supposed to be discovery sessions, but nobody had taught me how to do those. Yeah. And so I gave away everything I knew for free. And it was way too much information. People were overwhelmed. They were burned out. I wasn't honoring their time. They weren't honoring mine. And it was just kind of a disaster. (laughs) And now, you know, it's like, okay, so I have about an hour. Let's find you a solution. We'll look at one particular thing in your business. Let me show you how to fix that. And then, you know, later on when you're ready, we can talk about other solutions. Yeah, yeah. You know what a lot of people have said to me about my sessions when I teach people about deliberate creation, whether they've paid me or it's a free session, I send them away and say, right, you can do that now. You don't need me. And I remember a, a, a friend of mine who was a client, I met her as a client, you know, said to me when she was a friend, you always send me away and you, it's, it's like you don't want me to come back. And I'm, I'm sort of, well, ultimately, I don't want you to come back because I want you to do it for yourself. You know, I'm a teacher, not a healer. I'm going to teach you how to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'd love you to come back if you need it. But I used to give that message to people, don't come back. And she pointed that out. And I went, yeah, I do do that, don't I? Like I send mm-hmm. them away, like, you can do this. You don't need me. Don't come back. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. of course, we all need support. You know, we forget. You know, I call my sessions a reminders from home because I'm not teaching you anything you don't know. But there are times where we just forget. Like we go, what is it I'm supposed to do? I need that reminder. Well, and I think the accountability as well, you know, when you have someone that you're going back to on a fairly regular basis, even if it's not weekly or twice a month or even monthly, but you're checking in and it's kind of, okay, so the last time we talked, this was going on. How's that going for you? That's, that's a huge check-in point that most people don't do for themselves. And they lose track of how far they've come since that conversation because they have nothing to put it back in perspective with. Yeah. So the accountability is a huge thing. And, you know, that's where most of my clients come from is they just want someone to help them walk through it step by step. Right. Yeah. And if they're making a change in a thought process, if they're healing uh, a trauma, if they're going through some other shift on the spiritual plane, they still need to check in. I mean, we don't meditate once and call it good, do we? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Oh, juicy conversation. I've got my little friend who's come to say hello. Hello. Oh my goodness, there she is. Look, there's Jana. She's an animal lover. Hello, Kitty. <laughs> How many animals have you got? Um, I have two cats and right now I think about five raccoons. Oh wow, five raccoons. Yeah. Three babies. Oh, and how do you keep the raccoons? They're, at, they're wild. They're outside, but they come okay. to my deck to feed. And if the coyotes are out, they come up on my second floor deck. And I feed them cherries and other things. So they get treated like royalty when they come upstairs. Yeah. And um, so they're, they're wild. And I treat them like wild animals. But they know they have a refuge and they have a safe place to go when the coyotes are out or if there's anything else going on. That's another incredibly important point. 
if people are stressing about whatever there is they're stressing about, a lot of people stress about money. So this is what we're talking about today. When you indulge in something that you love, you shift your vibration. And when you shift your vibration, things happen. Like that's how we deliberately manifest. And I know Esther Hicks from the teaching of Abraham says, stop stressing and pat the cat. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> pat the cat, pat the cat, pat the cat. Indulge in your joy, indulge in your joy. And so this is what we do when we stress. We think that we have to work hard at fixing it because nothing's happening. Like how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay the bills? I've got to work hard. At, and that working hard creates a vibration which is not joyous. So just, just visualizing you feeding the raccoons and being in your joy and letting mm -hmm. the universe sort out the details, you know, like just let that universe sort those details out and indulge in the joy. That's the deliberate creation manifestation 101. But getting back to our conversation about light workers giving it all away, I remember years ago, a woman rang up and she said, I'd really like to have a reading session from you. And I said, oh, great. What would you like to talk about? And she started telling me and I gave it all away. I was like reading her and giving her all this advice. And we spent an hour on the phone, maybe more, exactly what you said, uh -huh. thinking she's going to book in and she's going to pay me some money. And she goes, that was really great. Thank you so much. I'll call you next week and I'll make a booking. I didn't say to her, let's book now. I'm just right. being super nice. This is what lightworkers do. Just be uh -huh. super service and super nice and like give it all away. So she didn't book in. She rang me back the next week. I'm thinking, oh, she's ringing me back to make a booking. She said, oh my God, I saw this amazing, you know, psychic channel who channels some entity called blah, blah, blah. And she told me this and she told me that and she told me this and she told me that. And I'm on the phone listening to this woman going, that's exactly what I said to you. Everything this woman told you is exactly what I said to you on the phone the other day. She did not hear it. And she paid this woman $250 for a 15-minute telephone conversation. Right. And she received an hour, if not an hour and a half, free telephone conversation from me the other day. And I said exactly the same thing, but I, you know, I expanded it. And she heard it from the other woman and not from me because she paid the other woman. Well, that was a powerful lesson. That's that investment energy. It makes a huge difference. It does. It does. I remember hanging up the phone, being so upset, thinking, oh, my God, I've got to change this. I'm giving it all away. And, <laughs> um, and nothing shifted for a while because I still did that. I just can't help myself. I see things in people. I read people. I just blurt it all out. Ah, you know, like I just blurt it all out. So what advice can you give to the healer or the light worker who does give it all away? How do we hold back? How, what do we do? Okay, so what I would suggest in your particular scenario is when call, someone calls to request a booking, just set up the booking <laughs> and don't go into what would you like to talk about because as soon as you open that door, the, all the waters of the ocean are going to flow through and you're going to answer all of that. And so then you're going to send them away not needing the booking and you have now officially talked yourself out of a sale. Yeah. And we all do it, right? So instead, oh, that's great. That's perfect. So um, when would you like to get in? I have time this week, next week. What's a good day for you? Get it scheduled. Excellent. And then you could, if you chose, send them a worksheet before your session 
so that you have an idea what they initially want to work on so you can start there. Yeah. But you don't even have to do that if you don't want to. But if you do send a worksheet and they send it back, do not email them with all the answers. We okay. constantly do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is what I'm dealing with. Sorry, my nose is running. Often happens when I have these sessions. Uh, this is what I'm dealing with at the moment. A lot of people watch my shows. They see me talking about things like life after death. And a lot of people are thinking about what happens when we die? Do we go to hell? Is there a heaven? Lots of conversations like that I have on the show, right? So someone emailed me recently. I'm really worried about hell. My father died recently and I'm really worried. Is he in hell? Is there really a hell? You know, a whole lot of questions. Like just straight, people email me all the time, Jana, with streams their whole life. You know, like they see me on the YouTube. They just mm -hmm. tell me their life story. So I'm thinking, okay, how do I handle this? I, I cannot not answer this woman's uh, or was it a guy or a girl? Anyway, this person's, I just can't not answer. So I answer. And I said, this is a much bigger conversation that I have time for in this email, but this is, this is how it happens. And then I gave them a whole lot of options. You can book a session. You can watch these shows. You know, I gave them a whole lot of free and options to pay or not pay to find some more answers. So they email me back with more questions. What do I do there? What do we do there? Okay. So what I would do, first of all, is don't give so many choices. Right. Because choices confuse people and right. a confused mind never buys. So right. you could instead say, okay, why don't we start with an initial consult, which is X number of dollars. It gives us an opportunity to really look at what's going on for you. We can walk through some of your questions. We can see what else comes up. And then from there, we can see if you need more support um, to really get your questions fully answered. And then if they email back with more questions, just say, again, I feel like this is better done in a one-to-one -one session. This is my session price. Let's set it up. So you keep reminding them that while you are service-oriented, you are a professional and that you deserve to be supported for what you do. Mm -hmm. Because if we keep letting everybody come and milk the cow, we'll never <laughs> even sell a glass of milk. And pretty soon the cow's just going to be out of here saying, you know what? I, I'm a worn out cow. You and your so, cow. <laughs> I know. I love it. Okay. And, so, and the funny thing is I'm allergic to dairy. So <laughs> I'm thinking, think of the vegetarians and not drinking milk. Anyway. <laughs> so how can we, that, that's a good analogy. So uh, because I offer my show free, so people watching this, we are giving them free advice. And then people think, right, right you know, and I love the people on the YouTube that love to vilify and criticize me. And I'm putting all this out for free to, for them to watch. And it actually costs me money to do this and they don't realize. And, and then they're underneath criticizing everything and they're receiving a service that they can participate in or not participate. And then they want to judge. I find that fascinating. But we live in this society where everything's offered for free on the internet. There's so much, if we're not getting it for free, how can we get it for free? And um, it's just this, ooh. So, so I offer the shows for free and people think because I do, then I'm going to offer everything else for free. You know, the rest of my services are going to be for free. And they keep asking me, the, you know, sending me the emails, asking me questions, asking me questions because the information I'm offering, and there's lots of it, there's hundreds of shows, hundreds, mm -hmm. is all for free. So um, how do I shift them from that, you know, but you're doing it all for free mindset. 
Well, I think that you need to be very clear that you also have bills to pay. And, you know, so one thing that you spoke of earlier, you mentioned people who vilify you on the, the chat and or comments on your shows. Yeah. And so what I take from that is that you're being visible. And when you're visible, there's going to be detractors as well as fans. Yeah. So that's a great measure of how visible you're being. If you're not getting pushback, you're not being loud enough. Yeah, so true. that's one thing to think about. So yeah. they are not there. It's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. And yeah. so that's fine. They can say whatever they want. You can simply yeah. block them if you want. But, you know, it, it's always going to be like that. I mean, I, I write and talk about business. I mean, how controversial is that? And I get people completely slamming me for things as well. So really, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. really, mm. yeah, mm -hmm. probably because I am a very heart-centered business coach. I have my strategic side. I'm one of these weird people. I'm right and left brain balanced. Yeah. So some interviews I talk more about the heart-centered spiritual side, and other ones I'm more strategic and tactical. Right. And so you know, you get some Type A people, and they happen to tune into one of the the more, um, you know, spiritual and heart centered and, you know, maybe I clear some energy on the line or something because that I'm just feeling. Yeah. And th of course they're going to blast me for that. And the thing is I'm both sides. I am two people in one body. And so I need to express both sides. I don't know if it's two people in one body. I just think it's balanced. Yeah. It's, exactly. balance. it's, it's just because it's it, it, again, you know, there is a utopian world where we are more heart centered than logic centered. And the current paradigm for many hundreds of years has been over dominated logic centered and not mm -hmm. heart centered. And we're shifting. And sometimes the pendulum swings too much one way and sometimes mm -hmm. the other way. But when we come together with these two energies, and, and we're working from that space. It's just this beautiful balance. Like when we're receiving blocks of energy from our guides, we have to have a logical, uh, educated mind that can translate that energy into verbiage that people can hear and understand. And that takes a logical and an intuitive mind and you know i've spoken about lorna byrne who is this amazing channel she sees angels she interprets subtle energy through her physical eyes so she sees spirit and angels it's mm -hmm. not common that many people do that some people do it some people do it in different um, variances some you know some people see it a lot and some people see it a little bit i see lights around people but i don't see ghosts Anyway, she does it very strongly, but she does not have that logical mind. And when she was a kid, they said she was retarded because they couldn't teach her to read or write. And because uh, she was so overly um, psychic, I suppose, or sensitive or psychic because she was speaking to angels. And she said everything she learned that the angels taught her because she would mm -hmm. listen to them uh, because she couldn't read it in a book or she couldn't really be taught at school in a logical way. Uh, and so um, she has amazing insight, but not the education to really speak that in a way that she uses a lot of biblical language people understand. And a lot of the times the angels speak to her and she doesn't even understand the word that she's saying. And so she's channeling and speaking, but she doesn't understand what she's saying. But it's really interesting. It's just so beautiful to have the balance. It's mm -hmm. fascinating to see the one, the extremes, but to have that balance. So you're saying that you have that balance. 
Mm -hmm. And for me, I click into two different types of brain. And so I can feel when I'm totally in my creative. Now I do have that center where it crosses over, but then I also have my really strategic tactical side as well. Mm -hmm. And I click into a different part of my brain. That's why I kind of say the two people because there's the very structured side of me and then there's the totally creative side of me. And, and they feel like they express in very different ways. My languaging sometimes shifts wow. from one side to the other. But, you know, it, it's all, yeah, all one person. <laughs> very strange mind. <laughs> Sounds good to me, honey. I'm just getting this image of people mixing the paint colors, you know, like like mm -hmm. red and blue and then you mix them and you get this swirl of the two the two energies working together to create a different mm -hmm. color yeah right yeah it's beautiful and, and you were asking about how to block that you know the the free to fee thing becomes challenging and and i don't think i really spoke to that but i think it becomes around setting boundaries and deciding how much you are willing to give away for free and then really informing people. So I have people come to me all the time asking health questions, asking business questions, just wanting a coach. And so I'll answer a couple of questions. And then again, they keep coming back and I'll say, hey, that sounds like a deeper conversation. Let's take it to a free session. I will give you the first session for free. And then I control that session. And I use it to really lead them through a very specific process that's going to make it a no-brainer for them to say, now, how do I work with you? How, where do I sign up? And so I have a super high enrollment rate from those conversations because I do them very strategically from a heart-centered space. I think that's where we all could use some coaching is mm -hmm. how to have that conversation without giving everything away and lead them into a, another conversation because I've been right. the opposite. I've been, whether they're, as I say, whether they're paying me or not, I just give it all in one session and then send them away saying, you don't need me again. You can do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I, I don't want to give all your wisdom away for free on this, but um, I know that when you hear this information, you're going to want to revisit it anyway. So uh, until it really sinks in. So that's when a coach comes in to play, you know, to sort of, because even the conversation we had around money, as Sasha was listening for two hours to what we said, she was still holding on to her ideas about money um, being when you're charging someone, you're not helping people. So she was still holding on to the idea that charging people money is not a good way to, to serve people. And as you say, when people give you something of value, they're actually listening more to what you say than if when they're receiving it for free, which is so huge. But what are some tips you can give light workers and, and energy workers and beautiful creative, cultural creatives who have a service? It could be an artist, it could be a musician, it could be anyone who has a service who's creating something and offering it to people to have a conversation around um, bringing them into a sale. Mm -hmm. It's really a pretty simple process, and it's something that I do teach in depth, but I'll give you kind of the outline so you can see what it looks like. So the first piece is so key for us because we tend to attract other highly sensitive people who are over-explanatory explainers, yes. and they will go on with the verbal diarrhea for hours if we let them. Yes. So the first thing we have to do is we have to take control of the conversation. Right. So 
I would say something like, hey, it's so great to connect with you today. I'm really excited to learn more about what's going on with you. Let me tell you how I run these sessions. First, I'm gonna take a snapshot, big keyword there, snapshot, of what's going on for you that isn't working. And then I wanna get a really clear vision of what you're looking for instead. And then I'm going to help you find a step-by-step -step plan to get you from where you are right now to where you wanna be. And if at the end of the conversation you feel like talking about ways that we might work together, I'm open to that. But no is a perfectly acceptable answer. How does that sound? <laughs> but no is a perfect... So you're giving them an opportunity to say no. Yes. Okay, so someone says no. That doesn't sound good. I just want to like just let it all out and like vent and tell you all my problems and have you fix it all for me. I've been doing this for 10 years and not one person has ever said no. Okay. Uh -huh. So what I do is I make sure that they know that I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm here to share value. I will give them some ways they can get additional support and those are paid ways. But, you know, they don't have to hear them if they don't want to hear them. Yeah. So, you know, I always let them know no is a completely appropriate answer if you feel like, you know, I'm not the fit for you or that you don't have enough of a problem to work with me, I am perfectly happy to have given you the time. I have no attachment to that. Yeah. That's where my spiritual side comes in, that release of attachment to outcome. Yeah. And yet so many of us get on the phone with somebody, we're like, please, please, please let me get to client. And we're so wrapped okay. up in what's in it for us. Yeah that we forget that this is all about them. Yeah. So if we can take them through it with a process, yeah. so we take control of the call, we find out the challenge, we take a snapshot, not the whole picture, not every piece of it, we don't dig deeper. And then we look at the vision, what do they want instead? And then really creating what I call bridging the gap, the A to B transformation. And I do that through a client story or an if you were my client story. I tell them how I've done it in the past. So first of all, it's really showcasing that I have done it. It is helping them see my expertise. It's also giving them the map. They could take that away and do it on their own if they want to. Mm -hmm. But 99% of people never take action with what you share for free. They need somebody checking in with them, reminding them, how's it going, and, and course correcting with them. And so I'm fine with giving away what I know for free you know, but that glass of milk, not the whole cow. Yeah. And what I have happened is by the end of the conversation, before I even offer them anything, they're like, what do I do next? How do I work with you? I want that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so I have my, my closing rate for those conversations. It has always been, well, since I learned how to do it properly over 90%. And it's usually between 95 and a hundred percent that almost everyone I talk to in that kind of a conversation that is a fit for me that I offer a program to, they work with me. Yeah. I'm just, I'm hearing people watching this. It's funny when I do these shows, I see the audience before they actually watch it. I see what they're thinking. Not everyone, but some of them. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling people have this, can I actually get paid for doing something I love? Like there is a block around that. And I want to just yes. um, reiterate what you said at the beginning of this. If it's something you love, it's your genius and that's what you're meant to get paid for. 
I think that's what you mm-hmm. said. Didn't you say that at the beginning? Yeah. The thing that you do as easily as breathing is what you should get paid the most for. So just because it comes easy does not mean it has no value. And if you're not getting paid, you're telling the world that it has no value. And so accepting, that's the thing. We lock down around the acceptance. People are willing to pay us. We just put up this energetic wall that says, I won't accept money for that. This should be free. And I understand that. I really do. But if you want to help people, you really have to give them an opportunity to to invest in themselves in that transformation. Because if you don't let them do that, it goes in one ear and out the other and they don't do anything with it. So if you want to help them, you really have to charge them. And sometimes I, I like to charge people and I know this sounds really rude, but I like to charge them at the level where it hurts a little bit. Because, you know, if I'm talking to someone who's making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and I offer them a session for a hundred dollars, they're not going to pay any attention. It's the same as if it's free. But if I say, okay, so what we're going to do is is a pretty big project, I would say this is a $25,000 project. That's going to get their attention. That's all it needs to do. So you can start with where you're comfortable, which is probably zero, and inch up a little bit over time. And if you feel like what you're doing isn't valuable enough to charge for, add more value. Now, I'm not saying overcoach, overshare, overheal, but look at other things that you can do. Say you're a Reiki practitioner, and maybe you could add a specially selected essential oil that they can take home with them. You know, maybe you're an energy healer and you could offer to do an additional healing for uh, a friend or a pet or something like that. Maybe there's a little free extra service that you could include to make your value fit the number that comes into your mind. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is we all undervalue ourselves. So whatever that initial number is, you should probably double it. (laughs) I know. But you've got to feel comfortable with it. I I mean, I remember I used to charge $80 for my sessions Mm -hmm. and I wasn't getting client at $80 and people said, put your price up. You're too cheap. You're undervaluing yourself. And I'm like, but I'm not getting clients at $80. Uh And um, anyway, and I, I doubled it and and then and put it way up and then put it down and then like what am I comfortable with charging what am I comfortable mm-hmm. with charging but the truth is that I wasn't comfortable charging anything because right. somehow at, at that stage I felt like I was taking something from people that was more valuable than what I was giving because money was <laughs> so scarce in my life and that, that acceptance was locked down right yeah yeah mm-hmm. acceptance is the thing And, you know, I mean, we get this great gift from the universe that we get this beautiful spiritual openness and we get all this insight and this creativity and our healing and all these great gifts. And we're willing to accept those. Why can't we just accept the energy of money, which is just another form of energy that is used in a more physical form? It's the same thing, people. It's an energetic exchange. You know, if you do an energy healing, you give out your physical personal energy, right? Even if you're pulling some down from the universe, you're depleting your own until you replace it. And you need to be compensated for that. You know, we can't do it all day long. You know, we can't do it 24 seven and be perfectly fine. Eventually we hit the bottom of our, our stores of energy 
and we and, need and to be able to pay for a place to be able to restore ourselves and, and, and to said, be safe. You said something really key before too about the shaman being uh, supported by the tribe, you know, the medicine woman or the shaman. And also the spiritual teacher in the past has been supported by the tribe and the tribe was the church. Mm -hmm. You know, and as energy healers, we don't have a church that's going to feed us and house us as we teach spiritual principles. So um, I, I don't, I'm not sure how it works in different religions, but I, I don't even know if, if pastors or, or reverends or preachers get paid a wage from the church but they usually yes usually they do okay so the church so they give freely of their spiritual knowledge they usually read from a book mind you the bible stand up on their pulpit and read from a book it's like hey <laughs> can't you can't it come from your heart rather than the book anyway and, and then they get supported but you know like we have to look at the tribe or the religion as being our clients that are supporting us you know shift that paradigm because i think that that's where we've uh we've struggled because we've not had that structure like the the village like the shaman being supported or the or the or the spiritual teacher being supported by the church so right yeah. and and if you think about that so the shaman is given a place to live they're fed yeah. everybody's yeah. kind of clergy same thing usually yeah. they get housing yeah. they get money they get fed and their whole community supports them as well yeah so they're accepting money plus the other stuff yeah mm -hmm. because less than that yeah nothing yeah. yeah you know just the fact that we have this gift doesn't mean we have to give it away 24 7. we can give away that glass of milk not the whole cow well I, I think we can give it away 24 7 but we can also receive I, yeah. I think that you know we can give but we can also receive I think that we just have to tune into that energy that I'm supported by my tribe and my tribe are my clients and they support me abundantly I'm speaking next week to Asha Yesha anyway she's an Australian girl who became a Buddhist nun mm -hmm. and uh, and so it's, I had a conversation with her before, you know, we get together next week for the show. Beautiful. She has a Bodhicitta foundation. She looks on and she educates because in India and places like Pakistan and India and Tibet, uh, women are not educated even inside the Buddhist religion. The boys are, but the women are not. And so she's created this foundation to educate and look after women uh, children especially girls and it's so interesting she was saying that even inside the buddhist religion where monks and nuns go to temples and stay for free if you're a western nun you have to pay to be there <laughs> it's like there's corruption in every system isn't there it's just bizarre and so she's all up in arms about that and she wants to you know support female like just it's just crazy this is crazy but <laughs> but I think as we spoke in the other conversation we had is is to stop looking at the corruption and, and start looking at um, ways in which we are supported that is um, fair and honest and beautiful and loving and heart-centered and not to vilify the almighty dollar but to see it as an energy exchange yeah. right 
And, you know, when you can get into that mindset of if money is just energy that takes yeah. form and it is an abundant form of energy and it is endless, yeah. just like any other form of energy. It can't be created or destroyed. It is infinite. It is always flowing. Yes. And so when you accept it, you're actually helping the flow of energy and you're enriching your entire community. You accept that money and then you go buy groceries, you pay some bills, you pay your mortgage and you are supporting the rest of your community. Yeah. So you're just giving it a conduit to flow through. You're not yeah. stopping it. You, know, you can stockpile it for a little while if you want to, you know, if we get into that, that kind of lockdown mode around many. But I really believe just opening up and just letting it flow through you enriches everyone, and then it just keeps moving. So yeah. why not be part of that energy flow? And it's, it's really comes down to setting some boundaries to not let people milk you for everything you have and not pay you anything. Yeah. They should at least return some kind of service or some, some kind of recipro reciprocity with that so that the energy stays in balance. Because yeah. if we're the ones giving, 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 and we're not receiving, then eventually our energy runs low and we need to stop and restore ourselves. Yeah, but it's, and, and to remember that when they give something that they value, that they're going to value what you say much more than if you give it away free. I just love your, um, you know, they didn't open the box story about sending your sister all that stuff and, and she didn't even open the box and you spent 500. I mean, that's just classic. And also just to say what Esther Hicks says about, about receiving abundance. She says that when you wake up in the morning, you breathe in, and you breathe out, it's an exchange of energy with the universe, breathing in and breathing out. And you never think that there is not a supply of oxygen that you can't breathe. And she said, money is like that. You breathe in and you breathe out. And that supply is, as you said, infinite. And there's always that supply that's available to you. And to remember that, to remember that, to, 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 to create that as your reality, that it's as easy as breathing. Mm -hmm. It's an exchange of energy and money is energy and it's as easy as breathing. Yes. Oh, Jana, such an important conversation. We didn't hear much about your story except that you've got raccoons. Your <laughs> husband's guiding you in spirit. He's chatting to you and you're chatting to him when you feed the cats. He said that to me before. You've been going through your challenges and you said to me, well, you said to us, that when we're going through challenges, it's when I remember to give more. But how did you put that? It was beautiful. Yeah, I, it, I just look for more ways to contribute. More ways to contribute. Mm. You know, it, it's, and, you know, honestly, I mean, it, things put things into perspective for you. I mean, I lost my husband a few weeks ago. And, you know, I, I'm buried under the paperwork and, and all the other processing that you go through, the physical world and the emotional world and the spiritual world. But then my hometown burned to the ground and some of my friends have homes and some of my friends don't. And I'm kind of thinking, wow, okay, so I lost someone who was ready to transition. I am very well off right now you know, I have a place to live. I have my two cats who I adore. I have my crazy wildlife family. And, you know, I have my massive community that I've accumulated over a number of years. I have people who care. 
Yeah. And so, you know, I, I could be in the one of one of the people that had their house burned to the ground has nothing but the clothes on their back. Mm-hmm. And if that happened and I couldn't get my animals out, then, then maybe I would have something to complain about. But honestly, it's like, you know, I'm okay. I'm fine. So how can I contribute? How can I make a difference? How can I make things a little bit better for other people? or for other critters, since I'm such a critter person. Yeah. (laughs) The attitude of gratitude is uh, the magnet where your joy and your abundance and, uh, and life, life begins the attitude of gratitude. So thank you so much for all your wisdom and all your gratitude and appreciation for the life that you're living, even though it's been a struggle. It's such a beautiful example to see how we can, contribute and be joyous and even inside big trauma like the death of a loved one and houses burning down and all that sort of thing so it's been so beautiful to chat with you today and just tell people who are listening on radio your website people want to connect with you mm-hmm. my website is createyourdreampractice.com and you can also email me at createyourdreampractice at gmail.com And feel free to reach out. I have free webinars going on all the time. I'm happy to share them with people, especially the healers, the coaches, the visionaries, the the world changers. So um, I'm happy to invite you to my next one and and show you how you can grow your business and do it in integrity with that heart-centered serving place that we all come from. So, you know, that's my goal is to impact a million business owners in the next couple of years. So. Ooh, I love that. My goal is to impact a million business owners in the next couple of years. And girl, you're going to be really busy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, last, last year, my goal was to reach 1 million people and to help them in some way, shape or form with my message. I did that through podcasts, blog posting, article writing, and, and I hit my million person mark at about August. So I was way ahead of the, the schedule. So now I decided to give myself a two-year span to actually impact directly one million people. So how long did it take you to reach a million people? One year? Less than a year, about eight months. Wow, that's extraordinary. I was doing a lot of podcasts and interviews and guest blog posting and article writing. I, I did a few hundred interviews, I think, over the year. Wow. Wow. How did you know how many people you hit? Because it's hard to sort of know what, how, what people's audiences are. Um, just really checking in on clicks afterwards. Right. So on I YouTube. was able to a fairly accurate uh, on their website and then YouTube after. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, you know, it, it was fun. You know, I estimated on the low side just to make sure I was staying in alignment with my goal. And still hit my goal at about by the end of August. So about eight months in. Yeah. And setting that intention with a number, I think that's powerful. You know, I I spoke to Tom Cronin a couple of years ago who was a, he was in the money business brokerage Mm -hmm. share market type thing. And he was like the Gordon Gecko of Australia, but more handsome and not as ruthless. Anyway, and he got very, very <laughs> sick, gorgeous. He got very, very sick and he started meditating and it totally fixed him. And so he has this goal to inspire a billion people to meditate. 
you know, and he has this really big goal. It seems so big, but at the same time, it attracts people and opportunities to him that he can't even think about because he's just set this goal, you know. I'm going to, because he just, he just was like, when he started meditating, it so changed his life so radically and so quickly. And it doesn't for everybody, but it did for him that he was like, wow. Like in the first week, it completely shifted the pain in his body and the sickness. And he had a sickness that the doctors said they, they can't cure and you're going to be on drugs for the rest of your life. And, uh, and he healed it through meditation. So yeah, a billion people inspire not teach a billion people but inspire right. so right. so that opened it up to it's not me teaching one-on-one -on -one or even in a webinar but i'm going to be behind the inspiration so he's now making a movie about mm -hmm. people's special gifts and and you know the ideas as he set this really big goal the ideas about how to make that happen just kept coming flowing and, and opportunities came to him and people came to him and yeah, he's a force to reckon with because he set this really big goal. So that's a, that's a beautiful thing to do even when you think it's not reachable, but just to put it out there. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, when I set the one million, I thought there was no chance. But I kept looking for opportunities and I kept asking other people if they knew of opportunities and I kept creating opportunities. <laughs> and, it, and it was a chaotic year. I would probably not do that again by myself. but. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was good to reach that goal. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. And thank you again for being on the show. Lots of blessings to you. And pat those raccoons and those cats for me. Give them a hug. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining me for another show, Accentuating the Positive. Isn't Jana beautiful? I tell you what, when I turned off the recording, we talked, as I always do with my guests, and she just shared so much more about her personal journey. And wow, has she been on a journey, leaving home at 12 and learning to look after herself and her sister dying and her brother dying. And oh, gee, it's, we didn't get into her story too much because we were more focused on healing those wounds around money and light workers which has been the theme for this week and uh, we talked about doing some webinars next year we're going to put some webinars on and invite you to join us for a small fee of ten dollars to uh, learn more about how to be in alignment with your abundance and to thrive and be successful and to get all those fabulous creative innovative ideas that you have around helping others and helping our world and helping the planet and helping animals or whatever creative, innovative ideas, how to get them up and running and successful. And so they support you and support the people around you and um, let go of some, you know, abundance issues or money blocks. And so, yeah, if you want to, if you're interested in that, send me an email, just go to my website, karenswain.com. You can send me a message there. There's a little link that says, talk to me. So talk to me. And, uh, I'd love to see you online next year or come and have a session with me now or a reading or join our Inner Sanctum group. Lots of ways you can participate in the journey that we're on. Thanks again for watching. Love you all. Mwah! Bye for now. We are the love, we are the love we give. Thanks so much for joining us for another enlightened conversation on Accentuate the Positive. If you would like spiritual guidance from my guides, Blissful Beings, go to karenswain.com for a reading 
or to listen to more enlightened thought leaders share their wisdom, go to the listen page on karenswain.com and choose who you want to listen to. All the podcasts are also available on iTunes. Remember to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, you name it, we're there. Until next time, bye for now. If you feel like that's what you want to do.